Welcome to another episode of the ANS Practice and Business Management Podcast. It's not brain surgery. I'm your host for today's program, Paul Camerata, and honored to have with us Stacy Wolf to talk about communication tips, giving and receiving feedback. Uh, Stacy Quintero Wolf is a neurosurgeon with Wake Forest Baptist Health in Winston Salem. She's board certified, specializes in disorders of the blood vessels, brain trauma and spine. She completed fellowships in endovascular neurosurgery and cerebrovascular and skull-based surgery at the University of Miami. As a 21-year U.S. Navy veteran, she earned the Meritorious Service Medal, developed the stroke and neurotrauma programs at Tripler Army Medical Center. She joined Wake in 2013 as the Director of Neurointerventional Surgery and Residency Program Director. She built a hemorrhagic stroke research program and is co-principal investigator of an NIH stroke net at uh, Wake Forest Baptist Health. She leads multiple NIH and national clinical trials in stroke and brain hemorrhage, is studying neuroinflammation, genetic risk factors, and genetic mutations in the development of cerebral AVMs. She's served organized neurosurgery in a number of capacities, including on the AANS Board of Directors, the Executive Committee of the Congress of Neurological Surgeons, the Society of Neurological Surgeons, the American Heart Association Mission Stroke Task Force, and as chair of Women in Neurosurgery. Stacy's also published over 100 peer review articles and reviews for five journals. In 2021, she was awarded the National ACGME Courage to Teach Award for Innovation in Mentorship and Education and is dedicated to providing cutting-edge care for patients with neurological disease. She lives in Winston-Salem with her husband and two children, and in her free time, which I'm sure she has very little of, she volunteers at the local school and in the community. Stacy, uh, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. That's a very kind introduction. And as you know, none of that could happen without having an amazing team around me. Oh, goodness. You're very modest, but you are really the person to talk about feedback and communication. Uh, Stacy is very active in the Society of Neurological Surgeons, and we hear from her on a regular basis about feedback for our residents. How did you get involved? Why would we turn to you to talk about feedback? I think that you could start there, but I mean, with your immense experience, I can see why. Well, I think it's something that as a program director is integral to daily life, right? And as an educator of any kind, really, education is all about feedback and communication. I have learned many, many lessons across the years. And I will say, you can ask my residents, I'm still not an expert in it. Uh, Still many, many things to learn. But I've learned that there are really two types of significant communication that has to happen, especially in a training program, but really in any aspect of doing neurosurgery. And so I kind of split it into immediate feedback, something that needs to be said at that moment so that you can make sure that the patient is going to be safe, that the operator is going to do a good job, something that you don't want to forget or fall through the cracks. And then you've got your interval, if you will, communication, where you're doing kind of an evaluation that's happening on a periodic basis. And I think those two types of communication and feedback specifically are very different, should be very different, and are are both key to successful communication and education. Yeah, you know, I'm older than you and than certainly all of our, our trainees. And when I was in residency, I don't remember receiving a lot of feedback. I mean, we received <laughs> some and Roberto, who was one of your mentors, gave, you know, phenomenal feedback, would 
jot off. Back then, we had no electronic communication in the dark ages, but he would, you know, handwrite or hand type letters and things like that to us. So there was a lot of giving feedback, but I don't recall a lot of uh, asking for feedback from us. Talk about how things have changed over the past generation or two. I mean, a, a beautiful point and, and beautifully illustrated. It, it has changed significantly because I'm not that much younger than you, uh, sadly to say. But, you know, back in the day, right, we would go and, and it was the mantra, of course, was see one, do one, teach one. And right. it was you just you just made it happen. And if you weren't getting yelled at, then you assumed you were doing a good enough job. But things have changed significantly. My husband is an educator, you know, and he he uh, is head of school. And so I'm able to see kind of what's happening pre-K through high school right now. And the way that they learn and are being taught to learn is vastly different than the way that we were taught to learn. Now, a lot of this is team learning. There is a large emphasis on having that immediate feedback, having a list, if you will, you know, having very clear steps in order to proceed. We made a lot of stuff up, you know, and I think that there's some goods and bads with both type of, of methods, but we just have to understand where we are. If we have learners, and that could be a resident, but it could be a nurse or a scrub tech or you know anyone around us. If they've learned to learn in a different way, and we are making an assumption that they're going to learn the same way that we have, there is a major disconnect there. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think with the giving of the immediate feedback, something that I've really learned for this to be a always a teaching opportunity, right? Feedback sometimes in the old way was, again, you're getting yelled at and, and then you knew you, you weren't doing it right. We have the opportunity to be a little bit more proactive now. And so we give feedback so that we can do that teaching and we can prevent things from actually escalating to where it is going to be a disaster. And as I do that, I try to live by praise in public and instruct in private. When something needs to be said, if somebody's done a great job, point that out. There is nothing that builds somebody up better than hearing, hey, John, you did a fantastic job. Thanks, Susie, for doing X, Y, or Z. Always make that public. Say it in front of as many people as you can. But then you've got the instruction that needs to happen. And sometimes it's very simple, right? If, if it's an operative something, you know, and you say, oh, hey, you need to see the tip of your scissors before you close them. This is fine. But if it's something that somebody really could have done better on, this is an opportunity to bring somebody just into the hallway. It doesn't have to be a big sit down meeting, but it just has to be something that's focused. Give them one thing to think about. Not a laundry list of all the things that they've done wrong in the past, not even all the things that they've done well, but you want to give them one thing to think about. See if you can make it measurable so that they know exactly what to work on and how, and then some type of a follow-up plan. Have them come back, hey, come back and see me tomorrow and tell me what you learned about X, Y, or Z, or we're going to do this case again. We're going to do an ACDF next week, and I want to see you know how you do this. And again, that's not just for residents. That's for any person that you're interacting with in the hospital. And I think that it comes very well if you're somebody who is routinely praised in public. It's a lot easier to take that instruction when it's needed because you're somebody that's trusted, right? And, uh, you know, now there's all kinds of challenges, as you know, with this. Hmm. And there's a lot of different types of people. There's lots of different types of settings. Certainly, one thing that I still laugh about to this day, when I became program director, you know, I, I was a, a bit of a switch. I came out of the military and did some teaching, but not in a residency type of scenario. And I tend to 
teach as my method of communication. And I try to form a team. And especially as a woman, you know, it, it's helpful to either be a teacher or to give some compliments or what have you. If you just come right at people and start barking orders, it's not always taken great. So I will engender that team approach, you know, and, and so I'll ask a nurse, hey, what do you think about it's probably not because I don't know what the answer is. But, you know, again, you're forming that team. So I make a lot of suggestions. Now, in my mind, these are definitely not suggestions. And when you're yeah. talking to somebody who is below you, if you will, who would be taking that order, they also don't take it as a suggestion. Well, let me tell you, when I got to Wake Forest and I started working with residents, I did my usual and I asked them questions, got the team approach going on, and I made some suggestions. And they didn't take the suggestions. <laughs> and so this <laughs> went on for about two weeks. And I couldn't quite figure it out. And why is nobody listening to me? And so we sat down at our weekly meeting. And finally, I said, now, look, I said, I think we have a failure to communicate. These are not suggestions. <laughs> and that to this day, 10 years later, every resident that comes in says, Dr. Wolf's suggestions are not suggestions. These are, these are actually <laughs> mandates couched in a nice way, right? So, you know, always making sure that, I mean, that right there was a failure on my part to communicate well. I did what I had done before and what had worked before in a different sure. setting. So you always have to be thinking and, and uh, evaluating yeah. how, is, how is my approach working? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, when I was, uh, one of the questions we were going to ask is what are the best practices? I think that the, those two things you mentioned, praise in public and instruct in private. I mean, if you take one thing out of this podcast, that would be really a phenomenal advice. So we've talked about giving feedback. What about receiving feedback? It's something I'm not used to. You know, uh, we, we, we give feedback to residents. We don't expect a, a survey you know, the survey that we all uh, are uh, cursing every year to come back and see that feedback. So are there any best practices for receiving feedback, especially from those who, who you educate, you're, you know, your learners who, you know, in a hierarchical setting, you, you generally think they're not on the same level? Absolutely. As you said, this is the hardest thing for any of us. And, and so it's, it's very nice for me to say, oh, yes, well, you give feedback, this and that, but it's all about <laughs> receiving the feedback. And that can be hard. I think you've got to listen. And I know that, of course, if you're getting feedback, you're listening, but you truly have to listen and you have to read between the lines as you listen. You've got to listen without preconceived ideas, which that's the hardest thing for me because I, of course, already have in my mind what should be happening, what's clearly the next step. And I'll say this is actually morphs into as I give feedback on those interval times when you're doing evaluations, I start every one of those meetings off with listening, with saying, how do you feel things are going? You know, what, what are you working mm -hmm. on? I want to hear from them. You know, where are you at? That helps to set my expectations and it helps to open the question and see where is this person at? And so I think that that's critically important and without preconceived ideas. And that's really hard. You know, you're always thinking, okay, well, what, yeah. am, I gonna, what am I going to say next? But you For actually sure. do want to hear what they have to say, because look, they know better than anyone. I mean, residents or how about your staff? You know, when I'm in the interventional suite uh, or I'm in the OR, they're boots on the ground. They know exactly what the problems are. And very often they know how to fix the problems. I have to take that step back and be willing to listen. Haven't we all been there where our C-suite were just incensed because if they would only listen to us. So it's that listening, that finding out and inviting what are the problems and what are your proposed solutions, you know, and, and having that yes culture that. I want to hear this. And yes, we're going to work on how we fix it. Help me 
figure out how should we fix this. For my residents, this is their program. I need to hear from them what's going on. And again, 95% of the time, they already have the answer if I just slow down enough to listen to that. So I think that that's receiving feedback. You also have to have virtuous intent. So especially if you're getting hard feedback, knowing that it's coming from a place most of the time that somebody actually cares, that they actually want you to do better. They actually want to improve or fix a situation that it's not a personal attack. And how easy is it when somebody's given you feedback or a hard time, both of those sometimes are synonymous, you know, you you (laughs) want to lash out, right? You want to say, no, you want to be defensive. But so often, if you kind of take that step back and Charlie Branch taught me this so well, you know, just assume that virtuous intent you're listening with a whole different set of ears. And it does change those preconceived ideas and the defensiveness to where you can actually get to a solution rather than just get riled up. Yeah. So truly a best practice for receiving feedback is truly listening and presuming a virtuous intent. I go to meetings with the dean every once in a while with other chiefs, and every year you know, we were doing our LCME site visit here recently. And there's the you know the medical students. When, you know when we teach, much of the time you teach in the OR, you ask questions of medical students, and then on the survey they're interpreting this as harassment in the operating room, and it's like no, we're just asking questions. We didn't mean to hurt you or to uh, intimidate you or something like that. And I suppose. You know, that would be something to discuss maybe with your your learners that this is your way of teaching and in no way is meant to be intimidating or, or anything like that. I mean, this seems to be a perennial problem. Yeah, I think it's setting the expectations. As you said, if you come out and kind of as you're starting your case, say, hey, neurosurgery is a team sport. We like to ask a lot of questions. We want involvement. We'll start with the lower levels to give you the best chance. And then you can keep ramping up to the seniors. Then you've set the expectation about what's going on. And again, just knowing how do our learners today, how have they learned to learn? They have expectations. And so the surprise of our inquisition uh, sometimes is not taken with how we mean it to come across. And so, you know. That's a great, and it is a great way to start it off to uh, list your expectations at the beginning and maybe they won't be caught off guard. Can you provide any examples or stories of how you, how feedback was presented that was both good, maybe, or bad, something you learned from? Anything stick in your mind? Well, the story that always sticks in my mind the most is that story about that it's not a suggestion. And that, <laughs> that right. was, yeah. again, I had preconceived notions and started going awry, which is pretty entertaining, I have to say. But I think feedback that has gone well, this is, I'll, I'll tell a story, which I'm outing Wake Forest just a little bit here. But I think every hospital system has its troubles sometimes with supply chain. So no. No, I know, I know. (laughs) Gotta be kidding. Uh, It doesn't happen often here, of course, but every now and again. So here we are in the IR suite and we have these trash bags that have been replaced now with like kitchen liners, you know? And so (laughs) when we do strokes, everything's an emergency. We got to go fast. And and sometimes another stroke is coming in. And so, you know, it is not completely infrequent that I'm helping to take out the trash and turn over the room, right? right? So I personally am experiencing some of the troubles that some of the techs have had and with these kitchen liners that are falling in and you're up to your elbows and blood and you know you know just how this goes and so i'm listening and i i literally was just sitting back and listening to the techs just you know this was the biggest problem that they were having and i'm thinking 
you know, this shouldn't be the biggest problem that we are having. And so then I had to figure out, well, how am I going to address this? Right. And so you go and you go up the proper channels. Well, sometimes the proper channels don't work like they should, right? You're hoping people are listening with virtuous intent. You're hoping that they're just listening and that may not actually be happening. And so it was, it was a very entertaining where I had the opportunity to kind of be in front of somebody at a higher level that was able to hear what the problem was and to be able to explain that changing this one thing could really change the entire feeling of a sense of worth, if you will, the entire feeling of somebody being listened to by changing something as silly as the size of a trash bag. And I tell you what, it was like Christmas for the next three weeks where everybody is just, Dr. Wolf, I can't believe you got us the trash bags. You know, and so just listening to see what is that problem in order to go and then figuring out who's your audience, because if you don't know who your audience is, you cannot properly put that request out there. And when I started trying to do it, I was not really choosing the right audience and making the right case to that specific audience. And when I did, boy, it just turned around. So, you know, with this one, listen to the people around you and know your audience when you're trying to present something. Perfect. This is a phenomenal podcast. And you can podcast. get trash bags. Yeah. You too can get <laughs> trash bags. Otherwise, yeah, if you don't communicate properly and provide feedback. Well, Stacy, I had one last question for you that I proposed to the guests on my podcast. Hurricanes or demon deacons? Oh, well, I am here with the demon deacons and we have to go all the way. Although right. as a second, yeah. I will always root for my uh, hurricanes. They hurricanes. need a lot of rooting right now. Yes, yes. Not, not one of their finer... <laughs> Minor years. Well, this will be a podcast I will be replaying over and over again. Stacy Wolf with us today on communication tips, giving and receiving feedback. Thanks so much for being with us on the podcast today, Stacy. Thank you, Paul. All right. That'll do it for this episode of It's Not Brain Surgery. Join us again next week for another exciting practice and business management podcast. <music> <laughs>